Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Hello, hello. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to get some lights up. All right. Good morning. Glad to be here with you guys. As I was preparing to teach today, I was reminded what an honor it is to sit in a room with people who are committed to being shaped like Christ um, and how, how much fun that actually gives such a difficult process to just know and to look to my left and see Mary, Denny, like c- consistently present and Rob, a close friend of mine, and just all, all, all of you uh, to be here. It is, it's an honor to be able to be here and teach. Uh, we are in a series called "What Are We Saying?" Um, I don't. There's a lot of memes that float around. That's uh, the the quote from the Princess Bride says, "You you keep saying that word. I don't think it means what you think it means." Um, and and I I love that and I and I think that so often in our Christian life and in Christian culture, we use words sometimes that were passed down to us. Where if you're really pressed on what are you talking about, what does that mean to you? How does that translate to you? How would you explain this to an eight year old? How would you explain these things? Because the Bible says always be prepared to give an answer to the reason for the hope you have. And so the Bible actually calls us to be reflective, to be thoughtful in the way that we use our words. Last week, Danny talked about justice, and as we uh, and and it was beautiful and filled with with a with a draw to compassion. And um, the reason that I have the communion table up front today is that our hope for a season of time is that we would move to a place where, where we would center our gatherings around communion. We would center what we do around gathering together and connecting with each other. And so we want to find ways to make the communion table um, more present uh, this week we're talking about the term contemplative charismatic, and it's a term that until I had gotten to LBCF, uh, it was I had heard of each of those words apart from each other, but um, as something that really centers us in our identity as a community, um, that was new, and I really liked it because I had a good sense of what those two words meant to me personally. Um, here's what we have written on our website. Um, Also, I only have slides for the text, so um, while I'm talking, we don't have to have any slides up if you don't want, because I don't have any today. But um, on the website, it says, we value both openness to the leading of God's spirit and a thoughtful, studied approach to scripture and spirituality. We embrace a spirit-empowered discipleship, which also embraces mystery and tension. And also, Rob, I'm going to put you in charge Give me a five minute when I've got five minutes left. Thank you. Because I know that if I don't have that, I will not be on time. Um, Last March, March of 2020, um, was a very interesting month. But when everything was starting to come on the news about the pandemic, 
pandemic, my mom worked at a rural health clinic. And so I would call her and say, like, hey, what are you hearing? What are you experiencing? And I remember what I would hear on the news. And when I would talk to her, it would be like, we have a lot of empty rooms. Like, there are no patients here right now. And she was like, they were, they had nothing but open uh, rooms at her clinic. And so for me, I had a lot of skepticism between what I was hearing and what I, the data that was being fed to me and the experiences of the people that I know. Um, and I was even very skeptical at the start of everything. And I would downplay it as being something that was hypersensationalized because of the 2020 election that was coming up. And so um, there's there's this balance that we all have to try and find between what we're hearing and what we know and what we're reading and the experiences we have. And those don't always line up. And when they don't line up, um, it can cause a lot of confusion. In the small town where I grew up, even now, there are people who are very skeptical about the things that they hear because the experiences that they have are not the same things that they see on the screens. They're not the same things that play out in the news, and they have a hard time synthesizing that information to find out what is true and what is good. So, but our Christian witness, right? I have here in my uh, notes to hold out both of my hands, but I'm holding a microphone. Imagine I'm holding out both of my hands. <laughs> the Christian witness needs to be able to synthesize data and experience. We have to be able to synthesize both of those things and the humility to submit both of those things to the Lord. Because it says that we love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind in Luke 10, 27. With all our heart, soul, strength, and all your mind. But I really wish it said or, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, or mind. You pick, right? Pick which one aligns with how you learn the easiest, how you retain things the easiest, Pick your love language and how you're going to love the Lord and just go with that one. But it doesn't say or, it says and. The Bible's clear that we are a holistic people. That we do learn what the Lord is all about through our heart, through our mind, through our soul. So put another way. With all your identity and emotions and your experiences, your thinking and your physical reality, love the Lord with those things, with all of them. So contemplative, there's this, the, under, the understanding is that we are able to sense God's will through study, reflection, silence, and how we use our minds. Charismatic is able to sense God's will through our spiritual experience, emotions, and our participation with the spiritual gifts. And God willing, what we know now and what we experience now will continue to grow and be shaped because the picture that the Bible paints is that we are constantly in process, that we're constantly being shaped, that your experience of God when 
you were six might not be the same one you have when you're in your mid-20s. That it could grow. There's this constant sense of being drawn in. That Christ is still being discovered and being seen and being understood and being known. So, um, we have two ideas that we need to synthesize here. The charismatic end of things. The acknowledging of and participation with the present day movement of the gifts of the Spirit. And that that, as we hold it, informs what we know in our head about God. Um, there, every, I don't see him anymore a whole lot, but during the Super Bowl, of all places, the holiest event of all sports, there would be this commercial that would come on as when I was a kid, and it would show puppies. And then, in the arms of an angel... And I was like, what just happened to this beautiful event? And my parents were like immediately like picking up the phone and dialing, give all of our money to the sad puppies. And I I remember that experience because they were so drawn in. They're so compassionate towards towards animals and the sad-looking puppies and the Sarah McLaughlin song. It's like there was so many elements put together to where it was like they knew how to hook people with that so quickly. To where they could even afford to buy a Super Bowl commercial ad. Um, but I, I see the same thing happening when we're talking about how, um, I mean, you watch Christian TV or any TV, politics. The, the, the ability to mobilize people who are sad or afraid or angry or guilty. Once you get people's emotions really stirred up and you heighten that and heighten that, somewhere along that line, the ability to to check their brain into the conversation (laughs) gets harder and harder. The higher you heighten that emotion, the harder it is for people to remind that we have something that we could put to play here that might keep us in check, that might allow us to stay grounded. That's not to say that feeling big things is a bad thing. It means to say that we are both. We, are, we have the ability to feel big things and be moved by compassion, but we also, and I have seen how often now it plays out that, we, that so many people in positions of power want to heighten people's emotions, because when you do that, they're much easier to move around. They're much easier to mobilize people who are all saying, these people are the problem. Or it's much easier to sell somebody a towel that's been blessed by some pastor when you tell them, if you don't buy this, you're going to stay sick. It's a lot easier when you get people feeling big things to convince them to do what you want them to. In John 15, 26, Jesus says, I will leave you a helper. He's talking about his spirit. I'm going to leave you a helper. It says in John 14, 12, it says, you will do greater things than I will. The spirit that he's leaving with us will empower us to do big, powerful things. It will move in powerful ways. In John 3, 8, it says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Just look at Pentecost. Spirit comes and, do- and messes things up. It's wild. It's huge. I long for that kind of 
spiritual movement that is beyond what I can think, right? It's, it's more than I could imagine. That's biblical too, that the movement of the spirit, the way that he thinks, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. All of these things where it's like, God is not, uh, he's not answering to the way that I think, which I'm so glad for, and I long for his spirit to move in that way. But also, it says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. And then Proverbs 21, 2, it says, every man seems right in his own eyes. The Bible says, test all things. Hold fast to what is true. That as we think about the movement of the Spirit, Bible calls us into it and allows us to be shaped by it and informed by our experiences. But it says, use your mind. Don't turn that part off. I want to show a really quick clip, and then I'll move on to the contemplative end of things. I want you guys to be paying attention to what is happening in this clip, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Yeah. Mr. Hobbs? Go ahead. Yeah, I think someone sent you a Christmas gram. Excuse me. I'm here to see a Walter Hobbs. Dad! I walked all day and night to find you. You look like you came from the North Pole. That's <laughs> exactly where I came from. It's a little complicated, but it's nothing Honey. that we can't handle. Thinks he's an elf. I'm sorry, what? I was adopted, but you didn't know I was born. So I found you. And guess what? I love you. I love you. I love you. You get the hell out of here. Some kind of game. What do you want? Some money? No, I just wanted to meet you. I thought you might want to meet me. You saw that guy out there. He's certifiably insane. Looks like a Christmas tree. He's probably just reverting to a state of childlike dependency. What are we gonna do? We can't. We can't leave him alone. What he needs is to be nurtured. They were just having a little fun. Fun. So felonies are fun. Introduce him to Emily and Michael. Go away. Once he comes to terms with reality, he should drop the whole elf thing and move on with his life. Uh, let's get it over with. I'm Buddy the Elf. Yeah. So, do you see what happens when we change the music up a little bit? Yes, five. When we change it up a little bit or leave key parts out of the story, the only way that we know to stay grounded and what's real about that story is by knowing the whole story, right? Being able to apply how we feel prevents us from being drawn into this horror thriller of an elf, right? That, that, is a, that when we ground ourselves in what we know using our minds, we're able to not be so drawn by what that trailer would have us do, right? 
But there's key ways that we do that. There's key ways that people utilize only telling a part of the story or repositioning certain parts to tell the narrative they wanted to tell. That happens. We need to be able to apply our minds. We believe the spirit is in motion. God gladly deals in mystery, in emotion. What he doesn't deal in is chaos. Now let's talk about the contemplative end of things. We submit our mental life to God, our thoughts about him, our study and reflection on his word and revelation in Jesus and listening all inform our experiences, applying our minds to our experiences and applying our experience to how we think. So it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Philippians 2.5. 1 Peter 3.15 says, be prepared to give an answer about the hope you have in you. 1 Corinthians 13.11 says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. The idea that the way that we think about Christ, applying our minds, is to be developed as a part of our discipleship as, as well. But, keep in check, it says, knowledge puffs up while love builds up. First Corinthians 8. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12.12. 12. By the renewing of your mind, not by the application of a perfect argument of your mind. Not by the worship of how you think. We're not transformed by convincing other people to think the way we think. That's not what the Bible tells me. The Bible tells me that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. A constant state of submitting our mental life to Christ so that he can shape us. I miss my wife, when she's trying to tell me something that's bothering her or that's concerning her, and I come up with the perfect reason for her not to think that. I don't know if that argument exists in any other households, but when she's trying to get me to connect with her at a heart level, and I am trying to explain to her the way out, I'm missing the point. In the Bible, in our experience in Christ, often we miss the point when all we try to do is come up with the perfect argument when, when in front of us are people who are hurting that need to know that Jesus cares for them in the exact place that they are. And that we are patient enough to be with them in that. So I want you to watch the ways that this synthesizes in two verses and then I'll close. Matthew thirteen thirteen says, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart." It's important that we know that the Bible is very clear that the way that God will show himself to us is not either or. It is a both and. That God wants us to understand at the very center 
of how we understand life, that he will speak to us, that we can hold all of our experiences up to the light of what Scripture is telling us, that we can think clearly, and we can also be transformed always, holding yourself and what you believe and what you've experienced to the light of Christ. That in community, being contemplative charismatics means that we are thoughtful people, but we are also open to the fact that the Spirit can move freely and wildly. And now let's go to First Thessalonians 5, and then I will bring Sam up, and she will um, close us out in a prayer. First Thessalonians 5, I'm going to start in verse 12. It says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you. Labor among you and, uh, and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace amongst yourself and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil. And I'm going to fast forward a little bit. It says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of Christ Jesus and you do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. The Bible is a hefty endorsement for both and the synthesis of how we think in our experiences. And we should be bringing both because we are called to submit all of that to the Lord. And sometimes I need to be checked in how much I worship the way that I think and take in experiences that challenge that. We should all long to do that because Christ calls us to that kind of life. Romans 11.33, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of a Lord or who has been his counselor? Let's enter a posture of curiosity even in what you believe so strongly or what you've experienced so powerfully. Let's enter a posture of curiosity so that we as a church can continually be shaped. So you have a prayer uh, that's on a card that should be at the end of your rows. Sam will lead us through that prayer. And then um, we'll be taking communion right after that. And Dana will come up and close us in worship. I would actually invite you to put that piece of paper down and just experience this. You can take that home. That's for you to engage in at home and try it out on your own. At this moment, I just want to invite us into a posture, like Ryan said, of curiosity, of openness. Whatever that looks like for you physically, that's putting your feet on the ground and crossing your legs, opening your palms. If you feel comfortable, closing your eyes. I invite you to take a couple deep breaths. Just begin to calm your mind, calm your heart. Just begin with gratitude for God's grace and his blessings. Lord, thank you for the grace that you've extended to me, the blessings that you freely give. Thank you for the breath flowing through my lungs. Now we ask for for God to see us clearly for insight, submitting ourselves before him. Lord, search me and know my heart, that I may see your truth. Begin to quiet your mind and listen for his voice.
Consider your morning, your day. Maybe there's something from your week that keeps rising up in you. Simply ask God, what are you saying to me in my circumstances right now? God, where are you? As distractions or other things come to your mind, that's okay. Just let them pass by. Just come back to God. What are you saying? Where are you working? As things come to mind, begin to surrender these things to the Lord. That's actually holding open your hands in a posture of release. Maybe that's tightening your fist and then letting go. Whatever that looks like for you, begin to surrender them. As you become aware of God's voice, maybe the places where he's at work in you, just bring them before God, holding them, remembering that you are loved unconditionally. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter where your mind has been, what you have done, just receive his forgiveness. Lord, we thank you for your work in our life. We thank you for your voice, that you're always moving and speaking. May your will be done, and may we recognize our need for you. I invite you to stay in this posture of openness and surrender as we engage in communion.